Hello and welcome to the Movie Bunker podcast. It's me, Matt. Hello, it's me, Chris. We've got a special guest, Matt, again today. We have. We've been inundated with very special guests recently. James Dyer, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for having me. We were talking off mic just a, a second ago about how familiar this situation is nowadays. The, uh, the remote contact with you. But I'm fascinated by people's setups. We've done a number of interviews for, for Empire and Pilot TV during the course of lockdown. And it's fascinating seeing where various celebrity types do their records. Yeah. Uh, props, I think, mainly go to Will Arnett, who has a professional quality sound booth in his house. Because that's where he does yes. Bojack Horseman. So oh, he yeah. was absolutely nailed. He sounded amazing. Amazing. Right. Some of the others have sounded a little bit like they're in the middle of a motorway, but nevertheless, nevertheless, props to, props to Will. I think like it's um, of... Jamie Oliver's uh, cookery programme on television, where he just went into the shed to try and look poor. I don't know what <laughs> that was. It's like, I'm going to go into the shed and record. And he was like, I can see your mansion glinting in the background. <laughs> He's down with the people, his old, old Jamie Oliver. Yes, um, yeah. So we've asked you onto the podcast, James, as you know, we are the believers that not all film critics and not all Rotten Tomato scores are true. So the concept of the podcast is to basically find people to have a, a guilty pleasure, if you like, or a film that has been poorly rated and then defend its honour. And, and today's episode is no different. So what's the movie you've chosen to defend the honour of? So I had, a real, I had a real dark night of the soul choosing between Nuns on the Run, which is uh, uh, an old favourite of mine, which is beloved by precisely no one, uh, and Kurt Wimmer's Equilibrium. Uh, and I opted for the latter, if for no other reason than I'm convinced that no one has seen this film. We've got a very limited release. Very few people have heard of it, heard of it let alone seen it. And, and myself and Empire's Chris Hewitt have long been stands of this film. We have long defended this to people in the manner of it is genius. It is amazing. The fighting is out of this world. It's this <laughs> brilliant sort of neo-matrix dystopian vision. Now, and I can't emphasize this enough. I watched it when it first came out. I've defended <laughs> it to this day. I had never rewatched it. Now, and, and that is key. That is key. I had never rewatched this film. Mm. Came out in 2002. It has taken me 18 years. I finally rewatched it. And, and, I mean, it's not great. But, 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 despite <laughs> that, I think it has lots to recommend it. The cleric is the final line of defense. If the resistance compromises it, we are doomed. You can't do this. You cannot do this. There's nothing we can't do. It's real. Burn it. Cleric. I can only hope one day to be as uncompromising as you. You're a family man. Yes, sir, a boy and a girl. Disturbing rumor. Rumor, sir. A rumor maintaining that one of the cleric is actually attempting to contact the resistance. Then you know what I'm gonna do now. Yeah. Preston, give yourself entirely without incident. No, not without incident.
This is a film that features no less than Christian Bale in the title role as uh, cleric John Preston. And it is set in, I think, in about 2070. It's the late 21st century, even mm. if the technology is a little bit 1998. And... Uh, <laughs> It's set in a dystopian future where Sean Pertwee's disembodied head continually makes PSAs about the evils of emotion. And all of the populace is forced to take a drug called Prosium. It is called Prosium because it sounds a little bit like Prozac and Valium. Uh, it is also <laughs> called Prosium because uh, Lib Libria is the name of the, the, the sort of country that they're in. And Librium is what it was in the script, but it turns out that's trademarks, they couldn't use it. So Prosium it is. <laughs> and they take Prosium at certain intervals during the day, it suppresses emotions. And the fascist thugs employed by the government, it's quite topical to film at the moment, uh, yeah. kill anyone who doesn't take their interval and is Feeling. So anyone who feels is known as a sense offender, wow. and they're summarily, it's good to see what they did there, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and they are summarily incinerated. They also have a, a sort of sideline in burning books and paintings and all other things that make people feel or evoke emotions. It is in many ways a big old mishmash ripoff of Fahrenheit 451, 1984, and, you know, The Matrix. Yeah. A bit of Brazil and Metropolis thrown in there as well. Yeah, and as I said, absolutely no one saw this film. Though it did make some money. It did all right, actually. It got limited release, but it made quite a lot of money overseas. So I think it cost, ooh, what was the budget of this film? I think I wrote this down, wasn't it? It cost, I think, like 20... 20, 20, about 20, 20 million. About 20 yeah. million to make. And I think it, it, yeah, it, made, it made a little bit of money. Yeah. Plus, it's in the, the, the hell, the heyday of DVD releases, right? So mm. it would have made a, a hell of a lot on DVD. And even once no one wanted to buy it for nineteen ninety nine, it'd have been in the three for ten pounds, and you'd have been oh yeah, very much fine. So. so it's got a lovely cover. The thing is, <laughs> I, I really enjoyed the parts of the movie. Like you say, it's one of those things I, I've never seen it until last night. This is what I was going to ask. Had either of you heard of this film before? I saw yeah, it? definitely heard of it. Okay. It's hard I, not. No, I'd, I'd, I'd watched it and um, I was really looking forward to it. And, and now I hate you, James. Because... <laughs> <laughs> I've done it to you as well. I've ruined I was this like, film for you. I was like, oh, yes, finally I get to watch this again. It's going to be so good because I remember it just being this brilliant, yeah. like high concept, but amazing action. And um, it's really bad. <laughs> I mean, well, the action is horrendous. No, 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 isn't it? Well, no, because he's not wrong. Like, and if you if you read the reviews <laughs> for the time, so Empire gave it three stars back in the day, and it had a mixture of really bad reviews and really positive reviews. And if you go on Rotten Tomatoes and you look up IGN's reviews, IGN's review is so effusive it is so superlative he basically says it is the best film of the year <laughs> he talks about the operatic how how john woo will be looking at this film and the wachowskis will be looking at this film and thinking the bar for action has been raised and i was just like all of this sounds great except it has one clever idea one clever idea of this film is the gun cutter. So the gun cutter, for anyone who doesn't know, is the idea that they school these clerics, these clerics of the Tetragrammaton, uh, of which Christian Bale is one, and they school them in this martial art which uses guns, essentially. Mm. And it is all based on the concept that in any given gunfight, there is a statistical probability of where A, assailants will be, and B, where <laughs> bullets will come from. So using, basically, advanced calculus they're able to work out where the bullets should go and where they will come from so they don't get hit and they kill everyone in the room and that there's a, is the there's a bit of a, of a problem with this conceit right is the fact is that that's relying on the fact that no one can see anybody right <laughs> because as <laughs> yeah. soon as you as soon as you add a tiny bit of light to the situation and then people start rather than shooting randomly at a predisposed angle they go oh he's over there i'm gonna shoot, shoot at him, at him. Yeah. <laughs> and it well, this is why the first gunfight takes place in the dark 
yeah, the first and kind of only, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah, a little bit. So it has it has some good moments, now, but I should qualify this. So I, I, I as I say, I, I really really advocated for this back in the early noughties, and I was really into martial arts at the time. And my martial arts teacher, I gave him a copy of the DVD when it came out. He <laughs> thought it was amazing as well, and went on about it for ages. So it was not just me. Uh, yeah. It was, uh, I think, maybe we were all a bit delusional at the time. But I mean, just look at the people who are in this. Okay, so Christian mm-hmm. Bale is in the lead. Yeah. So Christian Bale, so post-American Psycho, but pre, you know, other things, is in this. You've got Sean Bean in this as well. You've got Tay Diggs in this. You've got the Pertwee, obviously, disembodied head. Uh, Angus McFadden's in it. Uh, and then, and this is a bit, and I don't know if you noticed this at any point, but fucking David Henning, sorry, <laughs> fucking David Hemmings is in this film in one scene. He walks him as the process, he walks him to his, to the trap that springs at the end. And yeah. it's just like, dude, you were like a cinema icon of the 1960s. And this was one of his final performances. He died the year after this film came out. And now I'm not saying these things are definitely related, but I'm not <laughs> fucking ruling it out either. You can die of shame, it's possible. His eyebrows should get separate billing, right? Because you see them like way before you see him. It's like, oh, is that, is that David Hennings coming? I, like, I, I did, believe it is. I did a proper double take because I had completely forgotten he was in this. If I even noticed the first time around, because it is a blink and you're missing performance. And yeah. I was like, is that, it could that be? <laughs> I had to go and look it up. And yes, it is in fact David Hemmings. Emily, uh, Emily Watson is in this as well. Yep. Um, Bill Fitner is in this. So loads of yeah. really, really good people. There's um, le- there's the, for me, the, the couple of things that stood out as a, as a first time viewer was, you know, as soon as you hear Sean Pertwee's voice, you, I'm automatically transported into MasterChef. So he's, he's saying, <laughs> instead of this utopian thing, I'm expecting him to say, Susan has made a, a red wine jus uh, for her, whatever uh, other ingredients she might throw <laughs> together. So every time I heard his voice, I was taken out of this um, dystopian future. Um, the fact your go-to is red wine jus and literally oh, yeah. no other ingredients come to your mind. It's like, yeah. that's it. All I need is red wine jus and I'm done. The, the other thing is you start spotting people in sort of their earlier roles. So is it Dominic Purcell, who remember from... Well, loads of prison break predominantly, yeah, 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 Trinity yeah. and whatnot. But he he was uh, at one point considered for the role of Preston in this. So he, he I think ah. they wanted Bale originally, and Bale wasn't able to do it for one reason or another. So Purcell nearly stepped in. <laughs> then Bale was available, so Bale, Bale was Vimmer's original choice for this. Uh, but they kept Purcell in in that small role at the beginning as well. When you see uh, Sean, Sean Bean as well, you just have to tick. I wrote down Bean, Bale, Guns as my first note, and MasterChef, uh, and also. Bean, he's dead. <laughs> yeah, oh, bless. he always dies. Why don't he they does. just let him live to the end of the movie? I don't understand it. That's why we watch Jupiter Ascending, right? Just to watch Sean Bean live. It's the only oh, does he? Oh, for. yeah. <laughs> does he not turn into bees? No, bees. <laughs> I like that opening scene because they they he introduces the concept that there's sort of the, these uh, the fascists are out to destroy the artwork. So they have these people held up with like art. Oh, and they write the police are coming and, and, and uh, he turns and goes, you know what to do. They clearly don't because what to do seemed to be grab a picture, run out and die. <laughs> so unless that was the plan, none of them knew what to do. It was brilliant. And then they found the Mona Lisa and then they torched it. But they first, it was the only piece of art in that that they actually re- verified was real for no apparent reason other than people to go, that's really pricey, that one. <laughs> Wasn't that for the trailer, though, to be honest, just to sort of... Because I noticed that the trailer shows you everything you need to know to, to, before going into this movie, the key points of 
you know, emotions are not allowed, art culture is not allowed, and all that sort of thing. So, you know, the Mona Lisa is probably the only, the only famous picture that they can rely on an audience actually recognising, for sure. Yeah. Sean Bean quoting Yeats or Christian Bale, as he stares on impassively to him and then shoots him through the book. Really nice moment. <laughs> I love the way he just I, raises it slowly. Well, this this will stop yeah. it. <laughs> it's, it's, really, it's almost comedy, that. He just really slowly puts it in front of his face. And you've got that really odd score. It's Klaus Bedell did, who did the, uh, the score for this. I think that's how you pronounce his name. Uh, I think he's, uh, he, he works with Hans Zimmer. But it's got this weird mm. Wagnerian, you know, choral score. It's very peculiar. Do you think... Um... Christopher Nolan was watching this film and just thought maybe there was hints of him, his early kind of concept or uh, ideas for Batman and thought maybe something about Christian Bale's performance in this may have given him a, a bit of a nudge towards him. Can't help feeling if he'd seen this film. <laughs> uh, because, and to be fair to Bale, like it's really difficult, but like the, 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 the sort of emotions going across his face as he first starts to feel, it's so overwrought. There's a bit where he takes off his glove and he sort of sexually caresses a banister. And you're like, I mean, not I being funny, Preston, but in the sort of, on the scale of things that are likely to arouse your emotions, I'm saying a subway banister is quite low down the list. And there's another point where they're like, oh, that mirror frame is illegal, looks a little bit sexual, and they have it smashed. It's like, what are we Victorian? Like, is everyone getting excited by a chair leg? Like, what is happening here? I'm very confused. Not only is there no art, but there's no duvets either. Like, yeah. that's don't, or pillows. Or <laughs> or pillows. pillows. Yeah. yeah, it's just like, oh no, you can't feel anything. Uh, can I be warm though? No, fuck off. <laughs> yeah, allowed to be warm. They're allowed to be stylish. That's what I don't understand. It's like that you can't get emotional and you can't have feelings or love anything, but you can have a, a really sexy jacket. I mean, sexy jacket. Well, all the coats are sort of dominatrixy, aren't they? All the, like, the policemen are wearing those three quarter length kind of latex looking things. It's, that's, I think, is one of two things. I think it's a part, I mean, a lot of this is heavily Matrix-inspired, but mm. I think part of it is that. But also there's an element of, like, this film was made for lunch money. Like, it really was. <laughs> and the effects are terrible, but the production design is really ropey as well. Like, they do really well with the architecture. So it's all shot in Berlin. So you've got that real sort of fascistic concrete facades they use for everything. So I think actually the locations work really well. And then they kind of finished it off with ropey CGI, which I believe they, the uh, visual effects budget ran out during production. Okay. So some of the effects are literally unfinished because they didn't have the money to do them. But, uh, but the coat thing's a funny one because all of the soldiers are just wearing long overcoats and motorcycle helmets like, <laughs> for no reason. Like they couldn't afford to design helmets. So they just went down to the local bike shop and bought a load of bike helmets. Yeah, yeah. are they sort of, are you able to breathe as a policeman on this planet? Is that what the problem is? Because the gun, at one point, Christian Bale does a little thing with his gun. So he's, he's, he stops shooting them and he's got like this little device that comes out at the bottom of the, of the grip. I don't know what, mm. what part of the gun that is, the handle or the grip thing. And yeah. he starts smashing in the visors. Like, <laughs> and is that, is that because that's going to hurt them more than the bullets? Or what is all that about? I think I it's, it's a close comment thing. So well, I think one of the reasons... Uh, well, so my, uh, the guy who used to teach me martial arts quite liked it. That was one of his favourite scenes, I think. Uh, and I love that as well, because he comes out and it's very, it's because it's close quarters, I think. It's a little bit too close quarters for shooting. So he flips the guns around and has those little spikes come out of the butt of the, the pistol, and pistol whips the shit out of them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think that's nice. I also like the one where he's defending the puppy and he flips <laughs> their shotguns around and shoots yeah, them yeah, in the back yeah. of those. Yeah. 
That's a lovely moment as well. But there's lovely little uh, gunfu touches. Is what you, I think you were you called it gunfu last time I spoke to you, Matt. And that's like gunfu. Nice <laughs> but this, 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 as soon as the dog turns up, I'm thinking about uh, John Wick and that kind of. Oh no, the dog's going to die, and he's going to go even more apeshit than he has been already. He's going to deal with a dog death See, and emotions. Issues, issues with dogs in films because they seem to be as a crutch for emotion. But what I don't understand, right, is that he starts to feel. So he's starting to feel, and everyone around him is still on their prosium, so they don't feel. And then there's a dog, right? So to save the dog fundamentally and himself, he kills like I wrote down. <laughs> like, Ten people. Yeah. Ten people. I mean, in families. his defense, that was a really fucking cute dog. It was a nice dog. <laughs> uh, and I was like, fair play to him, because he kills the dog, and then this one's a puppy. And I was like, and he's yeah. clearly, and I love that. It's so ham-fisted. Like, to make him feel, they're going to show him a puppy, and that's what pushes him over the edge. It's yeah. Just, like, he's, he probably would have got a ticket or something. And they'd be like, no. He'd say, and, like, oh. and, and the thing with the, the, when he pops the things out the handle we're talking about, like, if any of them had just taken a step back, <laughs> right, <laughs> the thing wouldn't have worked. So you, and it's, uh, I remember this scene, because when I first watched this, it's one of the ones that really stuck in mind as being awesome. It, there was this scene, there was the initial, you know, when you see him burst in, slowed on the door, that one. There's the, the gun handle scene, and then there's the, the hallway scene where he throws yeah. down the cartridges for later, the which relapse. is... Which is fucking awesome. There is nothing better mm. than an awesome reload. And, that and is there are one two the in this. He's got these first round of mags come yeah. from up his sleeves, wizard Dish. style. Yeah. And then, <laughs> and then he, he has those little weeble magazines on the floor that you can just slap the guns down onto. Yeah, oh, that was so good at throwing those. But like, he was just hitting them. And it, uh, no. And they, they, even though they, they run in, they run in and form a square around him. It's like, why would you do that? Yeah. But also, there's that bit in you know, the end when he gets in the fight with, uh, with Angus McFadden and he walks into the room and all of those guys step out from behind pillars. Yeah. And oh, if yeah. you look at the perspective, like he's in the room, he walks forward and they step out from behind pillars, but they step out from behind the pillars he was just standing behind. So he's been standing <laughs> literally next to these two guys with swords and just not acknowledging them. Not acknowledging them. And yeah. then he walks forward and they step out the other side. Their, their searching wasn't very good, really, was it? Because not yeah. only did he manage to carry in two guns, but also four clips of <laughs> It's like, why were you checking? Yeah. Uh, the, the creepy kid thing as well was a bit disturbing. I mean, why? I would never be spoken to like that in my house. I mean, I am, don't get me wrong. Really, but <laughs> that, that kid's just utter contempt and just the way he spoke. Is it, was it his dad? Because he had a girl and a boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he's got two right. kids, yeah. So, yeah. Even being kind of cross-examined by him would have got me gander up. Do you know what I mean? Well, it wouldn't have done because you wouldn't be feeling anything. Yeah. So, but, he, he is, but isn't he feeling something at that Yeah, point? but he's going to hide it, hasn't he? He can't oh, right, not yeah. be annoyed. Um, Clip around the ear. What's really funny is like at various points, like Tadix like grins at him. It's like, why are you grinning? You can't possibly yeah. feel happy. You're just being a smug twat. And, and then annoyed. Angus McFadden, who starts yelling at him and thumping the table. And you're like, I'm sorry, are you trying to hide the fact that you're also yeah. in regret? This is very confusing. There's quite a lot of fridging in this, I think, as well. In terms of um, the two female, the two female characters that we do have, and I don't, if I'm wrong, but I didn't see any more. But yeah, Emily Watson's character, uh, and obviously his wife, uh, Mary Pio Calzoni. Both, both of his wives, in fact, since it's a different actress playing her in both the scenes she's in. Uh, the one that gets incinerated yeah. is a different actress to the one who plays her when you see her being arrested. 
Right. I think, I think wow. literally, literally, <laughs> they were, because they were shot different, they could not find the actress who played it the first time. They just <laughs> found someone who looked a bit like her because they couldn't track her down. We'd it's, all lost the care by then anyway. No one noticed or cared. You're absolutely right. But it is a, it's a, a sausage fest, uh, and that's a no denying I, I, I don't like the way they kind of just pass Emily Watson around as they start feeling. It's like... Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> so, it's a bit yeah. icky, that, isn't it? It's like, it hi, I fancy you. I may have killed your lover and <laughs> just manhandled you and then started stroking your face inappropriately in an interrogation. <laughs> but sure, why not? Yeah. And, the, the, and why the, didn't they just burn her or shoot her straight away like they did the rest? Because, what were they holding her uh, for? Because of film. Because of film. <laughs> <laughs> she hangs around for a long time. She's also immaculately made up when they do the interrogation scene. Like, yeah. There's no even pretense that she's been in a cell or anything. Yeah. You'd think we're in, a, in a world of no feeling and no, you know, nice looking thick things, they probably wouldn't give makeup to prisoners. <laughs> you would think. You would think. <laughs> Okay, so, you know, after committing sex, sorry, sense of offences uh, and trying to suppress them, um, Bell goes on the warpath and sets free the, the world or the city or the, the place, Prosamium. Mm. Where, where is it? What's it called again? Uh, <laughs> I'm lost. Libria. I, Libria. Exactly. That's the one. But at no point when, these, when the, rebel, the rebels storming the main building after sort of like the, 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 the Emerald Curtain has fallen, um, <laughs> no one asks anybody if they would like to come over sort of thing. I mean, obviously the police and all the, the you know, the, the people in black, they're all taking the drugs. So they, they don't know that there's another option or another choice. Only Christian Bale's character is the one who's kind of really is knowing that there is something more out there for everybody. So I thought no one asks or stops to ask, say, sorry, there is another way. You know, they're just shot. <laughs> that seemed unfair. <laughs> it's, 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 it's a world where no one gives a shit right so like the revolution would be the easiest thing in the world it'd be like we're taking over but like oh, i don't care yeah uh, i mean they're <laughs> really going to have an objection are they they're just <laughs> all they care about is that their desk is properly ocd organized with everything at right angles which was absolutely yeah. terrifying <laughs> what was the um, rocky thing i don't what's that what was that thing what's that for? oh it's, i it, i think it's uh it's like for smoothing stuff out does it have like blotting paper on it so like for blotting <laughs> like presumably they will write with fountain pens in the future so maybe that's what it was for in 2070 that's uh, yeah in that's, that's, that's where we're going to go to blotting pens definitely They've got comfortable, yes. comfortable suits here, uh, black jackets, comfortable clothes, because Christian Bell wears a lovely kind of linen-y suit at towards the end. I thought that at least they know comfort, which is yeah, nice. Yeah, but that's nice. But then his overcoat is made of a really dodgy-looking nylon, isn't it? Like, it's really, like, <laughs> man-made. It does not look practical or, you know, comfortable. Let's just hope there's no radiators or, or naked flames uh, in this <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. city. Um, yeah, creepy <laughs> kids. Or drive around in Balearic Island taxis, by the looks of things. It's, uh, <laughs> it was quite like a white yeah white interiors white exteriors yeah Mm. uh is it tay diggs who plays brant at the end Uh, well not at the end he's yeah is he supposed to be really good or sort of on a par with christian bell's character because at the end he doesn't the final fight scene he gets dispatched incredibly quickly yeah, I, I think he's nowhere near as good as he thinks he is. <laughs> yeah. uh, what kind of threw me is is Angus McFadden is, I guess, the head cleric. Like, he's got some skills. And I hadn't seen that coming at all. I thought he no. was just an empty suit. And then when they have that weird slapping fight at the end, <laughs> I was like, what's happening here? Like, how is it that... I mean, what, first of all, what is this exactly? Because we've had all this great action and now you are literally just playing patty cake and it's very confusing. <laughs> um, but also the fact that he was somehow more of a threat than Tay did to Sarah. 
Tay yeah. Diggs' character kind of threw me a little bit. That, that was unbelievable. But it's he not was... the only time this happens, is it? We, we, we're quite often introduced to a hero who seems like awesome and invincible. And at the end, they meet someone, um, generally an older fella, <laughs> um, and they have to kind of either dumb the him down, the hero down, or upskill somehow mm. the, the, the guy so there's actually some kind of threat. Because you, like the way he gets rid of Tate Diggs, he would have just walked over and just started like slapping him and just almost shut up and shot him. <laughs> there would have been no fight there at all. It would have been nothing. He was incredibly good at playing a really smug twat, to be yeah. honest with yeah. you. Yeah. And I liked, I, I liked him. And, and I liked Sean Bean until they killed him. And he seemed to be... I was rooting for that guy. Did you not notice that Sean Bean, when he's reading, because he's not very good at reading, was reading the book backwards? Turn no. the book I did notice that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, remember, I was thinking, hang on a minute, that's not how books work. Uh, more importantly, if you notice, when you actually see the book, it's not Yates at all. I believe it's Sylvia Plath is actually what he's oh, reading God. in there. So the outside of the book and the inside of the book are two different books. Um, but you know, hey, hey, never mind. Well, this like is if the uh, the dust jacket had fallen away, and it'd just be like the Beano or something. Just <laughs> <laughs> he's hiding some other fifty Razzle. shades of grey or something. Um, <laughs> Just to sort of track back to Kurt Wimmer, because this is definitely up his street in terms of what he likes to direct and write. Total Recall remake he did in 2012. Ultraviolet and Law Abiding Citizen. So this is, in terms of filmography, this is, this is what he, he's... Except oh. you are missing his accomplished debut, One Tough Bastard, which was that <laughs> 90s action film. Um, which is extraordinary with Brian fucking Bosworth in it. Uh, that that <laughs> was what Bosworth. put him on people's radar. He did Equilibrium. Now, as memory serves, there was a whole thing. So it's actually, uh, I don't know whether it's Wimmer or Wimmer. I always said Wimmer because Kurt Wimmer sounds very German. So I'm just yeah, yeah. It may not be. Uh, but he, it's him at the beginning doing the gun concert during the voiceover. That's him doing it. Right. Uh, and you see him, he appears at one other point in the film, he gets shots. Uh, he's the, he's the, the resistance fighter who gets shot against the wall by one of the officers. He puts his hand in front of his face as if someone's about to sneeze on him and then get shot. Um, uh, yeah. But he had this whole, I believe he had a bit of a to-do with the fight choreographer about how the gun carter should look, which is why it looks very different when he does it to when Bale does it. Um, okay. uh, and he has said in, in, a, in an interview since then that he, his version of gun carter, what he really sort of like envisioned it as, can be more clearly seen in Ultraviolet. Now, that's all well and good, except Ultraviolet is genuinely awful. Now, I saw <laughs> Equilibrium and I thought, this is a masterpiece. I cannot wait to see what this guy does. He did Ultraviolet and then never directed again. Like, yeah. that was it. Finished. And Ultraviolet is dreadful. That's the um, Miljevovic film with yeah. vampires and stuff. Uh, he's actually done, I believe he's working on, I, I say I believe, it literally says it on IMDb, so I'm sure it's true. Uh, he's doing a Children of the Corn remake that's due out next year. Uh, so he fantastic. is directing again. But as you say, he's written all sorts of things. Like, he wrote, uh, you know, he works on Thomas Crown Affair. He worked on Sphere, the Michael Crichton adaptation, which I actually really like. Yes, that's um, good. Law Abiding Citizen, yeah, Total Recall remake, the Point Break remake, the less said about that, the better. We, we, did, uh, the, we did the Point Break <laughs> sequel, didn't we? Uh, sequel, God, uh, remake in, in, in a previous episode. Oh, you got yeah. The point where you break. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, we get, we get the luxury of watching all these uh, crazy <laughs> films. What have we done? I don't know, Matt. I start asking myself I every know. week. <laughs> I mean, all these films are, are taking on a different light in lockdown. I've got to say, I, I don't know. Something's I mean, changed. Yeah, it does. It, your tolerance for bad films, I think, definitely goes up, given that there are no actual films coming out at the moment. I mean, there, yeah. there are sense offences happening left, right and centre <laughs> uh, in the olden house. Sense offender! Right what did you say? <laughs> Nothing? <laughs> oh, yeah. 
I should say one thing, which I find I, I like, I don't know where, at what point their effects budget ran out. There is a bit where you can see, I think people are shot and what comes out the back of them looks like sand because they haven't properly done the effect uh, for the right. blood. But uh, what they did do ridiculously, have you noticed on the cleric's guns, they've modified the muzzle flash on the gun. So the muzzle flash is the symbol of the tetragrammaton. So that ah. weird cross symbol yeah, yeah, yeah. every time they fire their guns. Nice. It's like, not being funny, if you had a limited effects budget, I'd have only left that and just finished <laughs> the other stuff. <laughs> yeah, not a priority, but a nice little touch. No, it's like you told me, I really want this effect. I really want it. We've got no more money. We can't I, do I it. I want it. <laughs> it's either this or plot. Fuck plot. We're going to yeah. go with the muzzle yeah. flashes. We're going with the muzzle flashes. <laughs> I think we can safely say that there's, a, there's a definitely a place for equilibrium in the out of the bunker. I mean, obviously it's there because of its tomato meter rating. It's got 40% on Rotten Tomatoes, which is, is low, but the audience score is 81%, which is always a nice mm. little uh, mm. taste but of I, something. I reckon all of those people voted back in 2002, because <laughs> it is, I, I mean, it's, it's interesting to hear that it, like quite a few people have seen this again and, and has gone back on the fact that they thought it was awesome, because in my mind, it was proper awesome. Yeah, mm. exactly. And like nostalgia, man, it just, it kicks you in the balls. <laughs> so, it really does. But, but, but James, because you, you're a guest and you've got special, uh, you've got a special past in the bunker, you, we have to release the movie based on that. You get like the golden ticket, essentially. But you need to make the final decision. Is it something that maybe everyone should watch because of its Oh, absolutely. But it's, there's loads of fun to be had here. Like, it, it's an enjoyable film to watch. No one's pretending, even though, and I, this is too much, I think I reviewed this for Empire on DVD and gave it four stars, but the less <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, it's clearly a two-star film, but it's one of those four-star, two-star films where yeah. it's a bad film, but there's loads to enjoy about it. And even when you're laughing at it, you know, and you, there's lots to laugh at, it's still fun. And I yeah. think the action, you know, is flawed, but again, it's really enjoyable to watch. Like, you know, if because bear in mind, there's no wire work in this. Like, they, when they're jumping over it, they're on trampolines and shit. Like, it's very practical. Also, I would like to point out, John Preston during the course of this film <laughs> kills 118 people, which, <laughs> which is extraordinary. And saves add. one dog. <laughs> and saves one dog. But my my add that he kills more people than John Wick does in John Wick's one or three but falls slightly short of John Wick 2. So John Wick kills 128 <laughs> people in John Wick 2, but he doesn't manage to beat Preston in one or three. And I'm saying for that alone, he deserves a certain amount of credit. Oh yeah, I love the fact that when he went to save um, Mary O'Brien, Emily Watson's character, so like literally the only thing he saves in this film is a dog because yeah. the, the, his love interest, <laughs> this weird pervy love interest, he doesn't manage to save. He runs up, he's like, he tries to sort of style it out by like, oh, uh, I need her for something. And then... It, there was there's a horrible design flaw in this torture chamber thing because they were like I can't open the door and they're like why can't you open the door it's like well if we open the door the street blows up yeah. <laughs> he, says, he says if we force the door now the turbine will explode at street level and you're like hang on a minute <laughs> what? who designed this <laughs> fucking contractors lowest bidders <laughs> <laughs> sorry sorry yes we've made the incinerator yeah yeah we got it done on time there's a slight problem if you open the door <laughs> when it's on you kill everyone on the streets but the thing is Brilliant. the way he gives shits about people you know he, he, he killed he massacred 10 
drugged up slaves to save yeah. one puppy that he only bit Macy met. I'm surprised he didn't go, fuck it, open the door. I'll take I'll, <laughs> just do it. Take the I'll hit. just I'm prepared, do it. I'm prepared to take the hit. Yeah. yeah, I'm prepared for all those people to die. I would say, like while you're talking about the hallway scene, I love the lead up to that. It's that moment where he's on the polygraph and it's it's scribbling, it's going crazy. And then he's yeah. just flat line and then he goes, Oh shit. And he just <laughs> says that line, it's like, not without incident. And you're like, yeah. come on. Yeah. <laughs> If we were to draw a graph of my process, of my method, something like this. Sir Ian, Sir Ian, Sir Ian, action. Wizard, you shall not pass! Cut! Sir Ian, Sir Ian, Sir Ian. So what, what was that, James? 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 <laughs> You've gone. I think you got fed up with my kind of ramblings and, and your kind of unprofessionalism, and he's gone home. My unprofessionalism is unquestionable. <laughs> Well, yeah, we'd lost the second half of the interview, didn't we? Which was embarrassing. It's stolen the virtues of our service. I'm not even mentioning the service because it doesn't deserve it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> of, of what we use. And then at the end of it, we both lost our recordings instantaneously. So unfortunately, James's sign-off and his last almost poetic words, which brought a tear to my eye. And as we all know from this podcast, I'm an, an unfeeling soul. And words I can never repeat yeah. for fear of doing them in injustice will be lost forever. Probably one of the yeah. best sign-offs we've ever had on the podcast in the whole <laughs> yeah. two years as well. It was perfect. I, I, after the podcast, I skipped up the stairs. I was so <laughs> happy with it. I was like, there, we will never end a show better than that ever oh. again. Well, I committed a very hard sense offence directly after that. <laughs> Suffice it to say that, you know, we, we all rallied around James Dyer um, and we decided that, yes, of course, Equilibrium would be released from the bunker and yep. set free. Um, so just again, thanks ever so much for James for coming onto the show. We really enjoyed having you on. It was brilliant, wasn't it? A really good chat. Um, hmm. But you can catch James Dyer at James C. Dyer. Uh, this is Twitter handle and the empire magazine podcast and the pilot tv podcast as well and on his twitter feed you can see uh, pin tweets for those two shows and they're great podcasts as we've always said before friends the movie bunker podcast is empire magazine that's for sure um so yeah we've got to- more we're, we're slowly working our way through the whole entire <laughs> staff <laughs> it's almost like a panini sticker book isn't it <laughs> got got need need <laughs> <laughs> we're getting there we've got more guests lined up from empire so that's really good so it leaves us really to say you know thanks again for listening and if you have been listening for two years for the first time we've launched a patreon site so yeah. the website for that is patreon.com forward slash movie bunker podcast and essentially it's completely obviously free well it's not free for you but uh, <laughs> yeah, not free the word is um, obviously it's voluntary yes so if you've supported us you know and you want to dip in uh, your pocket we've got three tiers on there and have a look see what you think um if we get some take up on it, then we'll, we'll definitely look at maybe putting out some exclusive content if we get enough support to make it worth yeah, the while. We don't want Lamborghinis. We just want to pay the server bill. <laughs> yeah, even if it just pays the server bill, we'll be very happy. And, you know, we do this for our love, don't we? Love and, and, and fun. And we don't get any financial support for it. And nor should we, um, because no. it's, we never started it for that reason. But we thought, well, I thought, he didn't even ask you. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, go to our um, Twitter and Facebook and Instagram feeds and you'll see links to it. And if um, you can't do that, if you can't afford to give us money, then do the next best thing, which is to leave a review or like or five stars us or 
would recommend us to a friend. Even if he's done, I don't care if you broadcast it to the world on Facebook. Walk up to someone and go, you know what you need to listen to? My favorite podcast, your favorite podcast, in the, when you have to finish listening to it, the Movie Bunker podcast. And your life would be better for it. <laughs> I, 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 need, I, think, I think, Chris, we need to stop with maybe these slightly um, stretched claims of what this podcast will do for your life. Your hair will grow back. But yeah, thanks for listening. And I guess it's really good because also that second half of the interview that we lost, um, my outro was probably one oh, of the best yet. Wow. <laughs> I was going to record it and just play on all future podcasts. Not even ours, just other people's. It's going to be your new ringtone. <laughs> <laughs> A succinct outro it was. Chris did it in less than seven words. Can you do it again, Chris? No, I can't. I'm struggling now to think of how to say goodbye. Um, That's too many already, mate. You've gone over. <laughs> well, as of next podcast episode, Matt doesn't know this, but he will be taking over the farewell state, uh, comments on the podcast. So it could stop me from rambling on and on and on. There Big shoes go. to feel. Big shoes, yeah, yeah. So good luck with that. Thanks, <laughs> You'll mate. need it. So until next time, until next time, I'll, we'll speak to you. <laughs> Speak to you. Just yes. you. Not those people around you. This is for you. Just for your ears only. Pouring liquid gold in your ears <laughs> since 2009. And take care, Matthew. I'll speak to you later. Stay safe. Stay safe. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye.